Welcome to the seventh and final episode of Selecting the Right Load Movement System, a limited series podcast about choosing the right material handling system for moving heavy loads in industrial settings. My name's Eddie. And I'm Joshua. So far, we've been walking through a process of narrowing down the options until one rises above the rest. First, we looked at the weight question. If a material handling system just can't handle a particular weight class, well, it's automatically off the list. Then we looked at some logistical questions around how the material handling system needs to be able to move, what path it will follow, how maneuverable does it need to be, does it need to be able to elevate its load, how frequently will it be used, and how far does it need to be able to travel. After that, we finally tackled the cost question. And then in our last episode, we looked at the loadability of the move system and what kind of training or certification might be required. So what does that leave for us to talk about? Last, but definitely not least, safety. Most organizations that have walked through these questions probably have a good idea of what system they want to use by this point. But it's worth making sure they can use the system safely without too much added difficulty. For example... Once you hoist a load into the air, as with a crane, your operation will become instantly subject to a host of safety regulations that otherwise wouldn't apply. Are you prepared to deal with the new compliance mandates if you want to use something like a crane? We should start by mentioning that serious incidents with any type of move system are thankfully rare. The issue is that when they do happen, they can be catastrophic, especially for high-risk move systems like cranes. If someone forgets to disconnect the crane from the load when the crane moves away, it can seriously damage the load and cause harm to everyone around it. There are plenty of examples of cranes dropping whatever they're carrying, and it can be horrendous. I was just reading a story about a giant crane that was actually lifting a smaller crane on a construction site to move it to a different part of the site, but it couldn't hold on to the smaller crane, and both crashed. Both cranes destroyed, damage to the site, and people hurt. It was a disaster. Holy cow, yeah, that's right. Even though we're tackling this question last, safety should always come first. So, where do we want to start? The first thing to ask is how safe will it be to touch or interact with the load while it's attached or hooked up to the move system? In other words, some move systems require workers to manually attach the load to the move system like hooking up crane hoists. Other move systems enable loading without touching the load at all, as with air casters and potentially fork trucks. Next, does the system create the risk of falling? Like that story you just told, lifting something into the air magnifies every risk. If you're moving something that's super heavy with a crane in an environment that's full of people and production equipment, it can present significant risks to everything below. Even conveyors at or above human height can also result in objects falling on workers below. We also need to think if visibility is compromised by the move system. Equipment like forklifts and similar vehicles can compromise visibility and maneuverability, increasing the risk that they'll collide with other objects, or even worse, people in the area. Then, how much force does the method require? In other words, what are the ergonomic risks? Simple injuries like throwing your back out aren't as dramatic as a crane dropping another crane, but they're also much more common and much easier to encounter. The more human force required to move something, the greater the risk of injury. For example, if the load weighs 3,000 pounds, it could sit on a cart with wheels, but the amount of force to move something that heavy on wheels begins to risk ergonomic injuries. 
By contrast, air casters eliminate friction, so the force required to push a load is very low. A single person could move a multi-thousand-pound load easily. Beyond that, there's the question of balancing issues that could potentially lead to the load or the move system tipping over. Forklifts can overturn if they attempt to lift a too heavy load too high, as can push solutions if they are improperly balanced. Air casters shine here, because each air caster can be inflated to a different degree and can adjust automatically as the load moves to accommodate uneven loads. We should also point out that it's not just human safety we're talking about either. How safe is the move system for the load itself? What you're moving can be expensive and delicate, like a piece of semiconductor processing equipment. In these cases, even just jarring the machinery can damage it or cause it to decalibrate, leading to production losses, repair costs, and so on. Yeah, and cranes are tricky for delicate loads because there's so much risk of dropping or shaking the equipment as it is lifted, moved, or set back down. But it's probably forklifts that are the greatest risk for hitting or dropping objects. A forklift can also potentially run into things as they move around, especially if they're trying to maneuver in a tight area without adequate space. So if the load itself is high risk, meaning delicate or expensive, just make sure you think carefully before using cranes or forklifts. Actually, should we go through and summarize the safety considerations for each major material handling system? Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Why don't you go first? Okay, starting alphabetically again. Air casters only lift the load up an inch or two, so you're not at risk of the load falling from a height. Depending on the specific air caster setup, it's also possible to incorporate braking and power steering mechanisms to ensure total control over the move. In other words, you're not likely to lose control of the load due to its inherent momentum. Overall risk is low with air caster systems. Great. So next up would be conveyors, which I just mentioned. I know we're going in alphabetical order, but what I'm about to say would also apply to rails and drag chains too, because they're all of a kind. Basically, as far as safety risks go, these systems create tripping hazards. And because they have a lot of moving parts, it's possible users could get a hand or finger caught in them. The U.S. doesn't track accidents specific to individual move systems, but in aggregate, about 35,000 U.S. workers sustain injuries every year from getting caught in moving machinery. Yikes! Yeah, the risk here is definitely greater than zero. So conveyors can be great in the right application, but just make sure they fit into the workflow in a way that reduces the chance of accidents. For example, If your facility layout requires people to pass over a conveyor or rail that's been built into the floor, you're instantly increasing the risk of someone tripping and falling over. One nice thing about conveyors and similar systems is that they can generally control move speed, and that can reduce the chance of breakage, injuries, and other issues. That leads us to cranes. Cranes can be an exceptional material handling system in a lot of cases, but safety-wise, they are definitely high risk. The shackles alone, which have to be big enough to handle large objects, could break fingers. Worse, workers usually can't hook it up without physically touching it. Then, the crane lifts the load up high, creating the potential for falls that could hurt people or damage equipment. Several dozen people die in the U.S. each year related to crane usage, and that doesn't even count the people who are injured but survive. This is why cranes require trained and certified operators. They just have the potential to cause so much harm unless they're used carefully and expertly. Yeah, it's the exact same situation with forklifts, which are also fairly high risk. 
Forklifts cause upwards of a hundred fatalities every year in the U.S. and literally tens of thousands of injuries. Fork trucks are often moving in the same space as people are walking or working, and visibility can be limited. We mentioned this earlier, but it's worth noting again that loads that don't sit flat or have an unusual center of gravity have an increased risk of tipping off a forklift. And it's surprisingly rare that loads will be actively secured to the fork truck the way they are to a crane. So, problems with loads falling from a fork truck is something to think about too. Finally, we have wheeled carts and transfer carts. I'd say the safety risk with these systems is moderate, somewhere in between cranes and forklifts on one side and air casters on the other. Carts can be a little more susceptible to issues related to momentum. In other words, once you get it going, it can be hard to stop in time if you're about to collide with an obstacle or, God forbid, a person. So what do these safety considerations mean for people trying to decide what material handling system to use? Well, by the time someone gets to this question, they're probably down to a short list of options. It's a no-brainer to pick the safer option if you're weighing otherwise equivalent move systems. The safety issue can sometimes be the final push in the direction of one option over another. But there's also a dimension of risk tolerance here. Some operations are just flat out going to reject higher risk options, even if they otherwise make sense, because they don't want or can't afford the added insurance that will be required, the extra effort associated with OSHA compliance, and so on. And with that, I think we're done with this series. Yeah, so let's recap. It's no trivial task to pinpoint the ideal move system to deal with heavy and super heavy loads. The options are numerous, and there are so many factors and considerations to think about. But each type of load handling equipment, crane, conveyor, air cushion vehicle, wheeled transfer cart, drag chain, and so on, have relative strengths and weaknesses that make them suitable, or even ideal, for specific applications. But if you know the right questions to ask about your material handling needs, you can find the right move system. Let's do an example. NASA is working to get people back on the moon as part of something called the Artemis Project. This project has a lot of components, including spacecraft called the Orion Crew Capsules. How do you pick the right material handling system for moving these crew capsules through the construction process? Well, the first question is how much does the load weigh, and which move systems will work with those weights? The Orion Crew Capsules weigh over 20,000 pounds, so we know off the bat that we're not going to be pushing these things around on carts or carrying them with human power. Immediately, we can eliminate a couple of options from the list. The second question is about flexibility. The crew capsules have to be able to maneuver between different environments, such as the area where they're actually built, a testing environment, and staging areas prior to launch. So, you have to have something that can transfer them from one area to another. So, you might be able to use cranes inside a single area, but you'll need another option for moving them between areas. There's another dimension of flexibility for the Orion craft that's kind of interesting, too. NASA's been working with Lockheed Martin on these, and Lockheed Martin built a special purpose facility for Orion assembly and testing that they wanted to be able to reconfigure at will. Remember, the Orion crew capsules are only one piece of the larger Artemis project. That immediately crosses off the list anything that's a permanent installation. Right, and that's directly related to the third question of how far and often do they need to be moved. These are expensive, almost one-of-a-kind machines. It's not like building widgets, so you don't need to provide continuous movement. They're not pumping out hundreds or thousands of crew capsules. So we can probably drop conveyors and rails off the list. 
or at least move them to second priority. They'd just be overkill for what you need in terms of move frequency and probably would struggle to accommodate distance, since we're moving these things between different facilities or environments. The fourth question is cost. Cost is probably not as much of a limiting factor on this kind of project as it is on others. If it's the right move system, they'll find the budget for it. In fact, there's a good chance they already have some move systems available to them. I guarantee that at least some of Lockheed Martin's and NASA's facilities already have cranes installed, for example. The fifth question is loadability. Now, this one's going to be especially important for aerospace because these vehicles can be surprisingly delicate. And if you're going to put them on wheels, you're inevitably going to subject them to vibration and shock loads that could damage internal circuitry. This is going to eliminate almost any wheeled solution, or at least remove them from the ideal list. Yeah, at this point, there are really two major options left on the table. Cranes and air casters. But we've already said that cranes are going to be too limited in transporting the crew capsules between environments. Do we even need to keep going? Well, we've completely eliminated several options. Anything that can't bear the weight or requires a fixed path and permanent installation, because for this application, they've already said they want to be able to reconfigure on the fly. But I'm not sure we've completely eliminated cranes or even forklifts or some kind of rail or conveyance system quite yet. Those are just clearly second-tier options. So, let's keep going and see where we end up. Okay, so now we're up to the sixth question about training and certifications. Like cost? This one probably isn't a huge issue for this application. Like I said a minute ago, they probably already have cranes installed in some places, and if they have cranes, they'll already have crane operators. If we were talking about a smaller organization that would maybe have to hire new people and pay for new training, this concern would be a lot bigger. But for NASA and Lockheed Martin, this question isn't as big of a deal. Well, that brings us to the last question, the safety issue. We actually already touched on this when we talked about loadability. Mechanical vehicles like forklifts would probably shake up the equipment too much, which risks damage. This question is another ding on cranes, too, because these crew capsules can be pretty big, and you're lifting them up, which can create hazards for the people around them. Talk about the floors. Oh yeah, for sure. Sometimes the biggest risk of the move system doing harm isn't to the load or to the people, but to the facility itself. A vehicle like the Orion crew capsule is going to be built, at least initially, in a clean room environment that likely has specially treated floors. Theoretically, you could use some kind of wheeled conveyance, but those vehicles are going to concentrate the weight of the payload at the points of contact with the floor, namely the wheels. We're talking potentially thousands of PSI, pounds per square inch, and a delicate floor with some kind of epoxy surface treatment isn't going to be able to withstand so much pressure without taking damage. On a similar theme, if you're working in a clean room environment, you can't use a mechanical tool that's going to introduce VOCs or particulates from exhaust fumes and the like, because that could potentially contaminate the clean room and whatever you're building. So that's another ding on forklifts. So yeah, this is a case where air casters literally floated to the top of the list. They reduce the floor loading to less than 50 PSI and can keep the facility clear of foreign debris, VOCs, particulates, dust, etc. As it turns out, that's exactly what they ended up using. I mean, in reality, they actually used a combination of move systems in different areas. But their main solution to transport the crew capsules through the assembly and testing process was air casters. They load them up on top of the casters and then just push them around as needed.
And that's it. That's the seven major questions for selecting the right load movement system. Thanks for joining me on this journey, Joshua. Thank you too, Eddie. And thank everyone who joined us for some or all of this limited series podcast. We hope this information has been useful and helpful and at least a little bit entertaining. But no single guide can truly comprehensively cover every single situation. If this list of questions to consider has left you with more uncertainties than solutions, please feel free to contact us. We are experts at heavy industrial moves, and we'll be happy to put our knowledge and experience at your service. Where can people reach us if they have more questions, Joshua? They can visit our home website at www.aerogo.com. That's www.aerogo.com. As always, thanks everyone for joining us.